Welcome to Protect Your Practice, brought to you by BrightSquid. Let's dig deep into real-world data breaches of patient information. We'll provide practical, expert advice to help you mitigate risk, understand compliance with privacy laws, and safeguard your clinic against all of the privacy and security threats facing healthcare today. So welcome back to Protect Your Practice, uh, episode seven this week. Today, I'm your host, Jeff. We're going to talk about some of the risks really associated with not managing your privacy compliance properly within your clinic, how you can do it better, uh, and and what happens when you don't. So with me this week, again, we have Rohit Joshi, BrightSquid CEO, uh, who is a sort of an international speaker on privacy compliance. He's been working in privacy and technology for about 20 to 25 years uh, or more, if he'll admit to it. <laughs> Ingrid Rice, privacy expert from Alberta who has worked nationally and internationally um, for about 30-some years, um, has done thousands of privacy impact assessments herself. And uh, this week, we have Pierre Fournier with us as well, who is a, a business advisor to clinics, really focusing on risk management with a big background sort of in wealth and business management, but, but working with clinics now to make sure that all of the risks that could affect them are mitigated um, so that the business can continue. So um, thanks for joining us everyone. Um, I want to dive into the breach number one that we're looking at. And this was really kind of a big, I think, shot over the bow for a lot of custodians in Alberta who saw all of a sudden the government was pretty serious about privacy regulations and, and compliance when um, a pharmacist was given a conditional sentence and I think about um, three months of house arrest for inappropriately accessing patient information. So how did that come to be? Sure. I, you know, the first thing that's probably important to talk about is is uh, there are systems uh, in Alberta. Um, one of them is called NetCare. And the important part of NetCare is that all patients um, and the, the basic prescription information, your diagnostic imaging information, um, allergy information, and so on, is available on this provincial system. It's, it's excellent in a lot of ways because it follows that patient to whatever provider that they're going to. The reason that it's not good is it defies one of the biggest uh, um, rules in, uh, in healthcare principle or in privacy principles, which is you should only have access to the information that you need to have access to. With NetCare, any individual who has access to NetCare, which includes uh, the physicians, many nurses, and now pharmacists, as well as dentists, as well as optometrists, uh, which are coming online, any of those individuals can look up an individual, whether it is their patient or not. And that's quite an, an unusual system. Ordinarily, you know, a, a, an office is quite comfortable looking up information of its own patients. And there's usually pretty good reason to do that. It, with NetCare, anybody who has access to NetCare for legitimate purposes can also use it for illegitimate purposes by looking up anybody they want by first name, by last name, by Alberta healthcare number, and so on. And the, the opportunity for breach, the opportunity to look up someone's prescriptions is a, is a big one and a big hole if there isn't a lot of uh, um, governance around how that information is being accessed. So Ingrid, what do the rules say about what you can and can't access? Well, you can't access 
patient information that isn't your own patient. You have to keep the confines of what you're looking up and what you're accessing to a, a must-know. If you need to know patient information and the collection, use, and disclosure of thing, that you can do if they're your patient. You have no right to access additional information. It's, um, it's, it's very important because it's the underlying privacy rights of the individual. And no patient wants to know that others are looking up your information uh, because they're a, a nurse at a nearby facility or they're an MOA at, or a, a medical office assistant at your nearby clinic and they're looking you up because they want to know what, what's up with you. Uh, there's no right unless you have a need to know that information. And so, Pierre, what's the risk? This was all over the news in Alberta, especially. And so, the issue we face with all the healthcare professionals, they're great clinicians, they're trained, but they, most of them become business owners. And that has repercussions in the case of healthcare, privacy, and a variety. So, reputation, clients, uh, fines, uh, downtime, those are all elements that penalize the business owner. So, I think training processes, Things that Brightswood brings to the table are important to make sure that these things are prevented, mitigated, or eliminated. Yeah. Yeah, and if you look at wealth creation or even in this individual continuing to have a job after being in the news, that's a career ender. Yeah, really. Like, that's the end of it. Yeah. Well, and we were talking earlier, uh, Ingrid and I, about um, once you breach access to netcare if you access information in netcare inappropriately it's going to be very difficult to get access to netcare again right so how do you do your job in that case right you see every healthcare provider has evidently skills and knowledge to service patients the most important thing is the trust they build with that clientele so if you break that trust of course there are consequences major for your business for future relationships for other relationships yeah yeah of course so that kind of brings us on to the next thing we want to discuss, which isn't really a breach, um, but but it's more about the business practice. And it's a misunderstanding that we hear a lot, particularly in Alberta, where, where they do have stronger regulations than some other places, or at least different, um, where every practice is under 11 different professions is required to submit a privacy impact assessment that examines the entire clinic and how they operate with their patient information. Now, NetCare is its own thing, and you do have to submit a privacy impact assessment around your use of NetCare. But Ingrid, can you talk about the difference and and what's required and what isn't? Yeah, it's a huge misunderstanding. So Section 64 is pretty clear that each custodian must prepare a privacy impact assessment that describes how proposed admin practices and information systems relating to collection, use, and disclosure of health information but more importantly, Section 2 says that this custodian must submit a privacy impact assist, ass, assessment to the commissioner for review and comment before implementing any proposed new practice or system. Well, NetCare is a practice or a system in itself, but your electronic medical record or your electronic dental record is also a system, as well as how are you running your practice, your day-to-day practice. That isn't outlined in your NetCare PIA, and, and it's a huge misconception. And the commissioner, if let's say there was ever a breach, and you said, oh, all good, I've got my NetCare PIA, and you flag that in front of them, they're going to ask for your PIA that describes your system and how you're doing business within your clinic. And are you able to do that? Well, not if you don't have a PIA. Yeah. 
And so, you know, uh, um, uh, Jeff, I mean, I've been on the other side of the phone call of many, many practices who did receive NetCare PIAs and feel quite comfortable. Unfortunately, it's such a narrow area of their actual processes and such a narrow uh, utility in the reference of all of the other electronic and human systems that are that, that, that clinic uses or the pharmacy uses. It's, it's a terrible misconception. And, and um, I don't know how many times Ingrid and I have been, on, been, been asked this question, but it's, it's um, uh, unfortunately, because they called it a net care PIA as opposed to a net care addendum or a net care appendix, uh, unfortunately, what we've got here is the theory that the NetCare PIA is the PIA. A PIA is a PIA. A PIA it's absolutely it's, not the case. It's not the case. So then, Pierre, what's the risk of not understanding, one, your obligation, but two, how your, like, where the risk lies in your clinic around your patient information? Well, evaluating the whole pro- I'm a chemical engineer. That's my first <laughs> degree. So I've learned, if anything at all, yes, I know organic chemistry, but what I do learn and I still apply is everything's a process. Example I often take is successful, for example, dentists both have a business plan and a financial. So people tell me, why is that? They've done their homework. That, that's, the, that's the outcome. That's the end of it. So it applies the same thing here. Once you've looked at the whole process from A to Z, then you have a better understanding where the risk kind of lies for your business, for your clients, for your patients, right? So, uh, of course, the consequences are just growing in the enormity because of the fact that, I guess, the internet, our communication, social media, privacy laws, privacy fines, just continue to expand so that consequences now keep kind of ratcheting up. Where 10 years ago, this wasn't the case, right? So, a lot of these baby boomers who are now near retirement are still prone to it. You know, this is what I've done for 30 years, whatever. This is why I should continue to do that. Well, no, the game has changed. You have to adapt and, and, and you need to sell your business to somebody else. It needs to be intact. You still need to have a great reputation. These are all consequences of having a, from A to Z, a great business. It takes time and effort. I get that. But there are people out there who their focus is, how do we help you get there? Right? So, um, then I want to talk about sort of what happens if you don't do these things because the privacy impact assessment is going to examine the risk and provide mitigation strategies. And this next breach touches on that, right? Because um, this is an organization that learned the server containing customer or patient past details could be accessed just through the internet. So <laughs> what are the implications there? And should this ever happen? And so, you know, Jeff, what, what I think, this particular example is with, you know, a commercial, a large commercial organization that I suspect did not apply privacy considerations when it was publishing information. Um, I would say that in a much smaller way, we see a, a very regular challenge with smaller practices operating um, in Canada and the U.S. where they don't have sort of the, the, the IT infrastructure to make sure that everything's always patched and up to date. Exploits are being found every day, every week on servers. And unless you've got a diligent IT group that's ensuring that those patches are solid, that it's been regularly updated, I think this is a vulnerability that's going to find its way into many, many, many other servers. I can't tell you how many 
um, uh, offices we've come up with that have, you know, on a very preliminary and basic website, asked patients to enter in some pretty personal information. Right. And it's sitting there on a website. Unsecured. Unsecured. And so you think that's available for hack? I can tell you it is. And so, so having a bit of a, uh, first of all, a dedicated IT team that, you know, you don't have to wait to come home from school at 4.30 in the afternoon before you can talk to them. Having a dedicated IT person, which is a professional who just thinks about this, is going to be critical. Yeah. And then making sure that you've got the policies in place to make, to, to ensure that this is regularly evaluated is critical. Yeah. Well, and again, that's where that privacy impact assessment comes back to to haunt you. If you don't have one, these are things that would be caught because it evaluates how you're collecting, using, and disclosing information. And one aspect would be, are you collecting this information on a public site? How secure is your IT? Have you got the agreements in place? Again, a privacy impact assessment reviews all these things and provides your practice with a little more security. You know, if I may add, because I see it quite often, a lot of these healthcare professionals are small businesses, right? So they have cost. So they try to mitigate the cost, and we see a lot of them, the brother-in-laws, the IT specialists. That was good before, not now. When you have people around the world who take 24 hours a day, seven days a week, to use their intelligence, not in a good way, but in a bad way, and believe me, healthcare records are valuable on the Internet, so all of this put forward is a reality. So when you try to cut corners and have your brother-in-law do your small business health care, because of the area you're in and the consequences of that is something you absolutely must review. And right? there's understandings of regulations and things that need to be set up a certain way. That's, that's unique and specific. Well, that's great. I think we'll, we'll wrap up there for episode seven. Um, so just be aware of the rules. Make sure you're paying attention. Train understand the regulations, do a privacy impact assessment because there's huge business value in doing so. Thanks for tuning in again this week. And we'll be back next week and uh, we'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening to Protect Your Practice, brought to you by BrightSquid. For a regular dose of privacy insights and tips, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd be honored if you left us a five-star review and shared this episode with your colleagues. Find out how you can get expert privacy compliance support at brightsquid.com and click Privacy Compliance.